Rainsboro. During the day, the Knights of Rainsboro protect the city from crooks and criminals. But at night, a hidden evil emerges from the shadows, and a new breed of hero must defend the city. Welcome to the Ghosts of Rainsboro. This is Paul, and uh, I am going to be playing the character of fuck if I know. Who do we choose? <laughs> Johnny Boondocks. Johnny Boondocks, the the scarecrow. Jesus topic. Christ, Paul! <laughs> yeah, really. Wow. <laughs> this is Wayne, and I'm usually the one that doesn't know character names. <laughs> so who are you no, you, no, it's okay. You're going to be playing Doctor Wange. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the Guardian. No, Dr. Wange. You're totally Dr. Wange. Um, this is Tim. I'm playing the Hitchhiker. Quantum Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> and, and joining us this evening is... Mikey Mason. And we don't know who the hell I'm playing. That's right. So uh, uh, Thistledown John can't be with us this evening. But uh, uh, we do have uh, Mikey, who couldn't join us last week. But we're going to be sandboxing with Mikey tonight uh, mm. to develop his character as well as uh, talk a little bit about the setting. So before we can go any further, Mikey, we have, yeah. we have to establish your horror street cred. My so, horror street cred. That's right. I used to have a subscription to Fangoria. Does that count? Am wow. I accredited yet? Wow, that is old school. Yeah. For those people who don't understand what Fangoria is, maybe you should tell them. I, I, I remember it when we just referred to it as Fango, dude. That's <laughs> we, yeah, I had a I had a script to Fango. Fangoria magazine uh, was a magazine which celebrated horror films and specifically the slasher horror films or the SFX horror films and the artists which created them from Stan Winston to Tom Savini to all of the great horror movie makeup and even the uh the older they, they they reveled in the older movie makeup the heyday of the paramount and of hammer horror films you'd often find articles on hammer horror films um or icons like christopher lee or peter cushing who established themselves with hammer films or even oliver reed who went on to be a luminary uh, in theater, but got his start in, I think, Mark of the Werewolf mm-hmm. for Hammer House of Horror. So I have a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, actually what I meant was explain what a magazine is. Oh, um, <laughs> normally they're thin, uh, glossy papers that have naked women in compromising positions in them. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. and what's all this was stuff? As far as I know, Fingoria still prints. Is it? And the- and they even announced that they're going to bring back Gorezone, their sister ma- magazine. Now, I used to have the subscription. I, 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 I faded out of that a long time ago. I grew up. I graduated <laughs> to mature things like comic books and there video games. Go. There you go. So um, I, I think I was never a big Fangoria reader, but they did this uh, beautiful uh, issue on Reanimator back in the day. Absolutely, I remember that. And I was a huge Reanimator fan, so and I should say I am a huge Reanimator fan. 
<laughs> so I've never read a full issue, but I burn stole most of a bunch of issues. It was my go-to thing on the magazine rack when I was in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> What's a Barnes and Noble? <laughs> hey, we still have those around here. Yeah, they they still have one or two around here. It's just but, not for long. Uh, when I watched the Frighteners, just see, just to give you some, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, when I saw Jeffrey Combs in that, I couldn't think of his name, and I kept just going, "No, no, no! It's the Reanimator! It's the Reanimator! It's <laughs> it's Herbert West! <laughs> it's Herbert West!" Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. yeah. But uh, that's, I mean, that's not all. I mean, uh, mostly my uh, my horror background started with uh, reading Stephen King, uh, and then books like The Exorcist and and, and such, and then playing uh, games like Call of Cthulhu and Chill. So on the Stephen King uh, scale, what's what's your go to Stephen King book? What's the one that you've got the fondest memories of? Uh, the one I'll read. Uh, generally, if, you, if I'm going to read a Stephen King book, I go back and read the Bachman books again. Mm, like Thinner? Uh, uh, well, all right. So that was Richard Bachman, but that wasn't in the compilation called the Bachman books. I'm talking about Road Work and Rage oh. and The Long Walk and The Running Man. But those, Anyway, gotcha. so I think those are the four in there, But I, although I do still have Thinner. Um, but of the later ones, I think Needful – I'll go back and reread Needful Things a lot. I like that. I have a – Fond spot in my heart for needful things. Did you read his zombie book, The Cell? Nope. What did you think of that, Paul? Um, You know, I kind of liked about the first hundred pages. (laughs) But then it just turned Stephen King knows how to start a fucking book, doesn't he? He He really does, but then the last 400 pages of every single book that he writes is the same. Well, you're like, like, wait a minute, the cell phones are turning people into zombies? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen King knows how to start a book. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to put the man down. He's doing something right. He's made a name. I'm just saying, if there's a dude you want to learn how to start a book from, it's Stephen King. (laughs) And you know what? When he, when Dr. Sleep comes out next month, or actually it'll probably be out by the time this is, uh, this is released, I I will absolutely be picking that up first weekend. And for those who don't know, that is the sequel to The Shining. Oh, is it? I really, I did not know this myself. Yeah, it, uh, it it follows um, Danny Torrance, I think is the the kid's name, as an adult. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I was I was totally I yeah I heard that you said Doctor Sleep, and I'm like, well, it it worked. Um, I'm not interested at all. Total snooze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but wow, once you said follows Danny Torrance as an adult, now I'm going to read at least the first hundred pages of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before before it progresses into the typical Stephen King, you know, group of survivors or something. Just just a bit of trivia: Overlook Hotel destroyed on my birthday in the book, December second, nineteen seventy two. Destroyed on my birthday. Wow. Yeah, that <laughs> dates me, but. <laughs> I'm 40 for anyone too lazy to do the math. So, so Mikey, you gave us a little hint on your uh, your gamer background, but talk to us about the horror games that you, that you played. They were uh, horrible, horrible. They were bad. Really? I hated them. Really? Uh, we were kids when we were doing it, and we were playing uh, Chill and Call of Cthulhu, and it didn't matter what character we made. They were dead within the first 20 minutes <laughs> because you you know face unspeakable horrors, and, <laughs> and we just weren't – there was nothing psychological about it. Um, 
AJ, the my, the friend of mine who ran the games, because he was the one who had the game systems, he would uh, <laughs> he, he would uh, he was the one who introduced me to Fangoria magazine. Actually, so if it wasn't for him, I would have never seen the Reanimator. I would have never seen you know the movie Freaks. I would have never seen uh, half of the slasher fix, er, flicks that I saw. So um, he was all about that side of it, which those. Those systems are built, sure, to do, but they're heavily bent in favor of the supernatural being. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting here chatting with us about, uh, you know, your your background in all things horror. And, you know, you've got your, your little Skype icon up here. And I have to say you have a very Anton LaVey-ish eyebrow thing going on there. Do I really? You do, yeah. I took that picture in a hotel room. Um and I thought it looked hopeful. <laughs> it looks kind of spooky to me. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you okay. look like you could be leading the Church of Satan. That's all I'm you saying. You get spooked by hope. Yeah, I, exactly. exactly. <laughs> when things start looking up, Aaron runs like hell. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, hope is my kryptonite. That's all I'm saying. So. I know from personal experience that uh, in your in, in more recent years, you played some other you know horror games. Uh, I don't know. What are you talking about? I, well, I, didn't you play some uh, some Cthulhu at uh, Fear the Con a couple of years ago? Yeah, Scooby Cthulhu. Like, yeah, talk yeah. about that. Um, you know, I pretty much ended up ruining all of those games. <laughs> and uh, how did you do that? Uh, well, all right. So, <laughs> one game I played uh, myself as the celebrity guest, and that's where the term mediocre comedian Mikey Mason came from, because Stacy Rigger played Velma. And uh, and uh, Casey Campbell played Black Don Knotts, and uh, he was Don Knotts, but he was black because Casey insisted that he was going to be black. Sure, yeah. And and I, he's, I yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and Casey is you know black, so it wasn't like horrible. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, and then the guest stars were Sonny and Cher and Black Don Knotts and mediocre comedian Mikey Mason, who was playing at the hotel bar where the ghost shark g- 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 ghost shark was found. And uh, and Thelma, you know, w- when they started talking to me, she goes, uh, who's this? And they told me. And then later she goes, where did mediocre comedian Mikey Mason go? <laughs> and all of a sudden I was instantly mediocre comedian Mikey Mason. Uh, long before somebody, you know, based a character about it in Rainsboro. Yeah, what's up with that, Wayne? That's okay. Hey. All of my concepts are are, are mediocre, mediocre, larping, wrestling, vampire IT guys. Awesome. Every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've actually had the privilege of playing in a Scooby Thulu game with Mikey, and uh, he was Velma in that game. Was I? You were the sexy Velma, though. Or was I Velma? Uh, oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I remember playing as Betty White once. and I. Really <laughs> no, this one was at Gen Con with uh, Martian Bob's oh. sister was playing Daphne. Oh, okay. Man, I forgot. Yeah, Se- Velma, you can't not be sexy. Sex- Velma's sexy. End of story. It's like trying to be yeah. Yeah, Helen Mirren without being sexy. It doesn't happen. Agreed on both counts. Thank you. So, guys, have we established Mikey's uh, horror street cred? I think we have, and you know, you know, we were just talking about Scooby Thulu. We should probably say that didn't we have the Scooby Thulu song as an introduction to Funny Books recently? We did, we did. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I, I you know, it's, uh, the, the link will be somewhere in the show notes because I can't think of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> MikeyMason.bandcamp.com. 
There you go. You'll find mm. it. My wife remembers most of the horrible things that happened in that song from being in the Scooby Thulu games with you, Mikey. Yeah, well, and then it, you know the thing is that it goes it goes through like six minutes of song, and then it goes long story short, and then it goes through three more minutes of song. <laughs> <laughs> to sum up, because I just couldn't put any more verses in. Well, but you know, maybe you can do that on the uh, producer's cut. You know, oh, there, the, there, no, mm-hmm. the long extended album. I like it. Mm. <laughs> Kickstarter campaign. Oh, the twelve-minute version of uh, of Scooby Thulu. The you re-recording. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. That you heard it here for. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and by recent episode, I meant November twenty fifth, two thousand twelve. <laughs> yeah, that was when the album came out. It was November of last year. <laughs> it's episode one hundred and seventy. There you go, Paul. Yeah, and just for the record, Ricochet isn't a mediocre comedian. He's a failed comedian. Yeah, whatever. There's a difference. <laughs> uh-huh. A mediocre comedian still makes people laugh sometimes. Uh, well, you know, I'll be a uh, failed uh, role player. How's that? There you go. So along those lines, <laughs> um, the way we do things around here is uh, you pitch us three player character concepts. That's and a problem. We will uh, Q&A it, and yeah. at the end of it, uh, the fellas will all vote to help you decide which character you're going to play. Okay. So I have a small problem. A with, small problem? Small problem. Okay. All right. Well, so first, uh, these guys, their pitches were so incredibly brief this time. Uh, and the questions, question sessions were so incredibly ble- brief as compared to the Knights of Rainsboro, which was not intended to be a one shot. And so there were, there needed to be a bunch of campaign fodder. Right. Um, so I'm expecting brief questions, but the problem is I had so many ideas that I thought were awesome that I just didn't want to, I had a problem staying to three. I mean, if you force me to whittle it down to three, I'll whittle it down to three, but I have, I don't know, maybe five or seven. I think that we could compromise to five. What do you think, guys? Yeah, let's go for it. I mean, Mikey's... What the, the fuck is this? The SAPs? I gotta keep notes? <laughs> <laughs> I took notes on all your mediocre character concepts. Yeah, so did I. I didn't. I, I can read them back to you if you want. <laughs> Who the fuck just turn on the beat on Tim Day? Even the fact that at least two of you repitched a character that you pitched in the Knights of Rainsboro... Working hard. <laughs> I was. Well, in my defense, I really like that character. But moving on. <laughs> Out of curiosity, Mikey, which I, one of mine would you have voted for? I would have picked the Walker because Major Victory is lame for this kind of a campaign, and uh, Doctor Wange is well. That that I got a box full of Doctor Strange comics if I want to see that character. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Mikey? But it's a game, and that's who you want to play, and that's who they wanted to play. So I'm all in, brother. I'm all in. Super Sorcerer with lightning and artifacts and protects and catalogs and collects supernatural artifacts in his Harry Potter tent apartment. Let's go. How about your favorite <laughs> Mikey? Oh, my first character. It's a simple concept. It's There's not a whole lot of thought to it. Just a dude named Rune. All right. He's got tattoos 
mystic runes inscribed all over his body, and he can activate them to gain specific powers. I don't have powers picked. I don't have anything specific in mind, maybe super strength or super speed or maybe flight, depending on whatever's going to balance and round the group out the best because that's the kind of player I am. What's his ethnicity? He's Ukrainian. Ukrainian. He's um, He's a uke. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a Ukrainian gypsy. And would you be doing an accent? I always do an accent. I think all of my characters are Ukraine. No, I'm just. (laughs) 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 No, uh, no matter who I do, I'm going to have a voice for him, uh, whether there's an accent or not. But yes. And is he, I'm assuming, uh, first generation? uh, Yeah, off the boat. Okay. Uh, Actually, not even. He's he's immigrant. He's he's from the Ukraine. He came over. Why? He immigrated to Rainsboro. Why? To escape his sordid past. Uh, apparently, over in the Ukraine, he fell afoul of these anti the the bad the evil gypsy the dark gypsy camp. Uh, after he was inscribed with their runes, he double crossed them uh, because he refused to particular. Uh, participate in their dark ceremonies and bend to their will, uh, intimidating the surrounding peoples uh, and essentially become their thug. And so uh, once he found out what they really wanted him to do, he fled. He thought they were going to make him a champion of the people. It turned out they were going to make him into an enforcer. And so he's fleeing uh, dark powers that are being pursuing him from the Ukraine into Rainsboro. What does he do in Rainsboro? Beyond uh, fight supernaturals, you know, supernatural threats. You know, what does he do during the day when he's not being, you know, rune guy? He is unemployed. He is homeless and drifts under bridges and soup kitchens, lives in soup kitchens. He's the stinky superhero. He's the one that you don't really want to touch. Gotcha. And, you know, I heard you say that you didn't have any particular powers set to him. Uh, well, it wouldn't be fire because uh, heck fire's got the heck fire. Uh-huh. Uh, so it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be lightning because uh, Dr. Wange has the lightning. Um, so um, he's covered in tattoos, right? He's covered in tattoos. Matter of fact, I think it's best <clears throat> if he doesn't know what they all do. I think it would be awesome if he activated a tattoo and a random power occurred. Well, and I, I was kind of thinking there's a, and I, and I think I'm probably carrying this over from another game, but there is a utility belt uh, kind of rule, which is essentially you you have a certain amount of points in the game to play with so you can pull up whatever you need. Sure, the gadgeteer thing from yeah. From, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you could you could almost assign something like that that as long as you're not exceeding the points, you could say, I've got this, you know. Um, but you could and you could also apply like a randomization table to it. Sure. Uh, you know, or or a success roll, I pull a I think I'm pulling lightning bolt, but you 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 could make a a, a success roll and if you didn't roll the success, it could be something random. Or I'm pressed up against a wall trying to hide and I can't move, and all I can do is touch this one that's on my abdomen, but I'm not really sure what that sure. one is. GM, make a ruling. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So uh, potential randomization. Okay. So lots of chaos to ruin your game with. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I hate that. Um, so he's homeless. He you know, is fresh off the boat. Does he have any friends? Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, he's, uh, I mean, I, I hate people. I don't want the Batman 
uh, lone Wolverine wolf Punisher guy. Um, obviously he's going to have made friends, uh, homeless people, uh, an officer who's nice to him. He needs to have contacts, people he cares about, someone who works in or runs a soup kitchen. I'll imagine since he's homeless, he's got downtime, uh, when he's not trying to get a, uh, pay under the table job since he may not particularly be documented he volunteers at an animal shelter okay. and so uh, he cares for those people as well very good do you guys have any additional questions for mikey any any superhero run-ins with them i you know what i i don't have anything in particular in mind but i think it would be uh with this type of character he would be the kind of guy that the coyote would have run into and they would have probably had a brush uh, before the coyote figured out that stinky superhero was actually a good guy, he's probably met Ricochet in the soup kitchens. Probably, um, you know, shut up with your stupid jokes. <laughs> All right, anything else, Mikey? Uh, not for Rune, no. Okay, next up. Um, all right, so this I, I had like three names uh, thrown out: um, uh, Legion or Envoy or Outrider. But the essential concept is that um, it's a half ghost, half man, um, able to invoke the spirits of the dead to gain their skills temporarily. So what this guy can do is summon and speak to spirits. And force them to possess him so he can gain their skills. So if he needed to be a sharpshooter, he could, you know, uh, invoke and allow, enforce the spirit of a sniper from World War II to possess him, or uh, a, you know, a gunslinger, two six guns, shooting madly, or uh, an Olympic gymnast, or pole vaulter if he needed to. But they're all, you know, human skills, not not superhuman power. His superhuman power is being able to pull on these or a pugilist from uh or a detective stuff like that so it's kind of like a somebody who can summon up the spirit that's going to possess him yes interesting so who is this guy um when did when did this ability uh, come upon him i uh i see this guy as a uh, kind of a charlatan uh kind of a whoopi goldberg and ghost without the overacting um kind of thing. He was a guy who was just trying to, to scam people out of money by holding seances and when uh, and one day it happened he got possessed by the person who he was trying to contact. It turned out that the person who was trying to can- contact him was wanting to apologize for killing him um, and uh, he didn't want to be apologized to. He wanted revenge and uh, he had to, to fight him down and, uh, and eventually, you know, Pull that ghost under control, but in the in chasing the uh, the uh, person he was talking to, he finds out that it was actually a mob hit, and the guy had had nothing to do with it, but knew that it was going to happen and didn't stop it. And so, possessed by this uh, mob spirit, he hunts down the mobsters. Hmm. Does he still function as a uh, medium or psychic in Rainsboro? Sure, um, he's come to terms with it. He has, uh, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't generally charge like that anymore. He will tell oh, right. people's fortunes, but he does it uh, because he saw an episode or he, he read the biography of the amazing Randy 
who got his start in skepticism by doing palm reading in college. And then when he found out that, uh, you know, his, his friend Bedimit was bunk and said, uh, read the exact opposite of what their palm says. And he did it. And so, uh, and, and they said, that's exactly the truth that, you know, and so now he does that. He just follows the tarot and follows the palm reading by the book, you know, for the most part. But sometimes, Things pop up with the spirits, and he finds out about people in need. So is there ever an opportunity that the ghost dominates him? Absolutely. I think that's uh, one of the dangers of him being possessed and allowing himself to be possessed is that there are going to be times when a spirit comes in that's stronger than him or has a stronger will than him, and then uh, he's going to be um, hijacked by them. Now, he's in a situation he's like, wow, you know – I could really use some lock picking skills, right? So right. He he links to a thief. Now, does he have to know the spirit, or does he just say, "Okay, this is the kind of the the, the kind of ability I'm looking for," and that's the ghost that comes to him? My thought was that he has um, built up a stable mm-hmm. of spirits that he knows and kind goes of a, to, a cast of characters that he can pull from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he's allowed to possess him and has come to somewhat trust or at least become familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the ones that he doesn't trust, he knows how much he thinks he can trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe he's getting played by one or more of them. Who knows? But he's the kind of guy who spends a lot of time in cemeteries. Sure. And, and does research on who was the best at what and. You know, maybe went to Wisconsin to visit Houdini's grave or whatever. And what's in it for the ghost? Oh, being alive again for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get to they get to experience life again as you know, having a, a corporeal body again. Sure. Sometimes a, a ghost might have the ability to to be more dominant and be the one driving uh, the action versus you know uh, the, the the human. Um, what about an unwelcome visitor, you know, would a, say a malevolent spirit be able to push past the, the ghost that's being summoned in? Would this other spirit be able to jump in into the body? See, uh, all right. I, I'm not averse to the idea, but I think for him to have a shot, for him to have the power, it has to be a power and not sure. just a setback. So right. possible. Sure. Likely, probably not. Okay. All right. If it happened, it would be, Oh shit. It got real. <laughs> and what else about the, the character um you know i haven't thought about a whole lot i love the name legion my original thought was that he could uh fly slowly not real quick and pass through walls in addition to be but i think that's just too much i don't know i i, I like the fact that he's a human being possessed by ghosts mm-hmm. and it makes makes stuff uh interesting and mechanically i think that we what we could do is give you a certain number of points for skills for each of the each of your cast of characters. Sure. And just swap them out as sure. Uh, as we could do it like the gadgeteer power. Only yeah. he's limited. He gets more points, but he's only limited to skills because he doesn't actually get power. Right. Right. So number three. Um, this one. Uh, it goes back and forth. This is kind of my favorite one. This one and Legion were kind of my favorite ones. Uh, the Ghost Fox. Um, so it's a uh, late teens, early 20s girl. Um, she's Latino. Her 
great great grandfather was the ghost fox. Um, basically, it was Zoro. Okay. And uh, but he was Zoro with a touch of superpowers from a from a uh, a medallion that was imbued by the spirits of his Aztec or Incan ancestors. I don't remember which ones were. Anyway, I will say Aztec Aztec ancestors. Um, and so he uh, he has slightly greater than super, than than human abilities, uh, maybe along the lines of Captain America, and uh, maybe slight body armor, you know, resistance to damage. He was resistant to damage. He was strong, fast, could jump farther than a normal human, that type of thing. Um, and I like the idea that he used a whip rather than a sword, uh, mainly because I really love that movie Zorro the Gay Blade uh-huh. um, with George Hamilton and George Hamilton. Um, <laughs> but uh, but he's dead, and so through the centuries, or you know, through the years, he would come back looking for someone in his bloodline who was worthy to take on the mantle, and he hasn't yet until she came along. And once she came of age, he has presented himself to her as her trainer, led her to the medallion, led her to the gear, so that she can, you know, she uses the whip to to swing, to disarm people, to to attack um she has the the super strength but she's a young hero but the other thing she has is um her great great grandfather who is a ghost who she can see and talk to but nobody else can so he goes around a corner and says there are two guys here they are and she doesn't have like super senses per se Mm -hmm. but you know he goes into a building and says they're in here they're talking he admitted to it uh so i i could see this really you know, old person, young person dynamic relationship. You know, he goes inside to check out the situation uh, because, you know, it's dangerous and you, you know, and I can't be hurt. So you have to let me go. And he comes back out and she's playing with her cell phone. And he's like, you have to focus, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so and because she's, you know, she's a product of our modern era. Sure. How would you see that working in gameplay? Uh, in gameplay, it would simply she she'd simply have uh, the heightened abilities um, and maybe some physical resistance or toughness. She can resist the damage or whatever a little bit, and she's got the heightened abilities. And beyond that, she's got the whip and skill with it, um, and that's all imbued through the through the amulet, which has become part of her now. Uh, and she's got I don't know how how mechanically you would justify the the ghost grandfather thing i think there's a thing in savage worlds for like not a follower but something similar so i think it's a, it's a point by thing aaron is it is he like a, a spectral oh yeah he's invisible to everybody else and she sees him and he, as a ghost i mean she okay. sees him when she looks at him he's fairly transparent fairly spectral mm-hmm. you know uh anakin at the end of jedi <laughs> You know what I mean? But but nobody else can even see him. Now, would other supernatural entities be able to see him, or, or is it just specific to her? Uh, I think it would be awesome if it could only be her and other people didn't even believe he was there. Gotcha. Um, because unless they're of the bloodline, they can't see him. Now, is he only able to see things and report, or can he affect? He's totally incorporeal um, and unable to communicate with anybody else. Unless, of course, I don't know, maybe there could be some, you know, a technical technicality of the bloodline. If somebody consumed some of her blood while it was still in their body, he could talk to them or something. That's kind of gross, but <laughs> it's a comic book explanation sure, for how yeah. something could happen. Okay. 
So if she punched somebody in the face and her fist bled and went and the blood went into their mouth and then they could temporarily see him. Tell me about her whip. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a mithril whip. <laughs> it's a special whatever uh, made of uru metal. I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's a it's a ancient ceremonial imbued by the gods special whip. Okay. Now, um, she is in her, uh, you know, somewhere between 18 and 20. Tell me about her life. What, the, um, what does she do with her day? I say let's make her 21. She works for the BMV and goes out trying, you know, goes out with uh, guys at night trying to pick up. And, you know, her grandfather's always uh, – we'll make – she calls him grandfather, but he's, you know, great, great, whatever. Um, he's always harsh in her gig always crimping her style makes it impossible for her to have a sex life um she works for the bmv department of motor vehicles bureau of motor oh, vehicles. d d okay. dmv bmv gotcha. okay she uh you know sits in a cubicle or in a box you know being bored and waiting on people who hate her gotcha and what's her home life like she lives um, with her parents or She's single. Um, I imagine, yeah, she still lives with her parents. Actually, I think that's pretty funny. She lives with her dad. Her mom's dead, and uh, her her she's related to her grandfather through her mother, and he hates her father because um, he never thought her, her father was worthy of her mother and constantly berates him. Her dad's kind of this sad sack guy who worked his whole life in an office and, and never got the promotion and retired but doesn't have enough money to live on his income So, um, for from his pension. So he lives with her collecting pension and Social Security and making ends meet. And she has this sense of responsibility, which kind of permeates her entire life, um, which – you know, between that and her day job, the DMV, uh, becoming a superhero kind of fills her with this new spirit of uh, of, uh, of joie de vivre. You know, she's she's got excitement in her life, and it kind of replaces her need for romance. So you said replaces her need for romance, so she doesn't have a boyfriend. She doesn't. I mean, she's looking for one. She's been looking for one or a girlfriend. I don't care, uh, or both. She's both. She's you know whatever more. Gotcha. Um, you know, she doesn't like she doesn't want a cat <laughs> or whatever. I don't. But, uh, you know, she, that, that need for companionship um, kind of, you know, she's got a relationship, a very special relationship with her grandfather. Mm-hmm. And while it's not a romantic relationship at all, it kind of fills that the the hole that somebody would feel if they just had the day job and just had the responsibilities of helping take care of dad and and not having a romantic partner at all sure she's latino where's she from is she I mean, is her uh, family first generation multiple generations uh you know her her dad was born in east la okay um but she's you know she's thoroughly americanized gotcha she doesn't even have an accent gotcha I mean, unless she wants one, she get when she gets was, mad, she gets an accent just on general principle. I was really hoping you were going to go some kind of Rosie Perez accent for us. Uh, I'm not going to do Rosie. Per- <laughs> well, sorry, I'm not going to impersonate Romy, Rosie Perez. You guys have any questions for Mikey? Uh, the only question I have is for the grandfather. Would you be playing both characters, or do you want Aaron to NPC the grandfather? How do you want to handle that? 
I will gladly play the grandfather. Um, or if Aaron feels more comfortable being the grandfather, that's fine. Um, when I play two characters, they rarely get along well because, uh, I want them to be different instead of, I don't like the, uh, I'm a druid and this is my dog and it's a, an extension of me dynamic. Right. I like, uh, I like a little strife, a little, little, I like it getting mixed up. I like my, you know, I'll have an argument with myself in the corner. All righty, number four, Mikey. Okay, um, I'll go with uh, the Huntsman. The Huntsman is a uh, private security guard, a retired soldier, um, who can channel the power of the wild hunt, the fairy, the fae, um, from Gaelic myth. Um, he becomes a huntsman, and uh, so he sets the, the – the, the problem, the drawback is that since he becomes imbued with the powers of the wild hunt, while he gains – superhuman senses and abilities to you know super strength and speed and you know again uh he and he and he uh, uh a spectral hound that he can ride um he also becomes generally focused on his prey until they're caught what do you mean focused like obsessed um like the wild hunt picks somebody and doesn't they you know they've got 24 hours to get them Twenty-four. The Wild Hunt comes once a year, and um, on on All Hallows' Eve. Although he, through whatever, is allowed to be possessed by the spirit all all the time, but um, they pick one target. The Wild Hunt picks a target, and that target, and and they follow that target until it is dead. What happens if he's not successful? Um, he's quite grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I entirely picture this guy as kind of a Jason Statham with superpowers kind of uh, guy who's just easily pissed off and 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 obsessive. Does Jason so, Statham not have superpowers? Is that what we've established here? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, superpowers in addition to Stathanism. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. How did he get these abilities? <sighs> you were gonna ask. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that he is of Gaelic descent. He's not Irish per se. He was born in the UK, um, the British Isles, but on a holiday, but moved to the US fairly early in his life, early twenties, um, on holiday in Ireland, um, over All Hallows. He became the prey of the wild hunt. Um, and he had just got off a tour of duty and managed to elude them. Um, and, and in fact, he caught one of the huntsmen and had it pin, had the huntsman pinned, um, when dawn broke, ending the hunt. And, um, as recompense, he, uh, summons that guy's ability and every year on halloween i mean hell as long as i'm making shit up let's make it up every year on halloween he has to fight that guy again he has to fight and win that again to retain his crown or title or whatever to retain the power yeah unless of course this is going to happen on halloween in which case it is some other fucking day (laughs) (laughs) it's ta-da <laughs> some other arbitrary day of his choosing that he already right. surpassed and conquered now is there 
beyond his own personal motivation to retain these powers. Is there some reason that the world might want him to remain the huntsman versus the other guy? I mean, is he just a better huntsman? Is he is he a more moral huntsman? Well, the other guy doesn't exist on Earth except the one day a year right. to hunt somebody and to kill them. Right. And so he actually puts those abilities to use. Um, I'm going to say he was uh, possibly even suffering from PTSD, feeling alone, um, depressed, and that gaining the powers and abilities gave him a sense of purpose and direction with his life, something worthwhile, because he felt like he was alone in the you know he went from having a mission having a having defined objectives to being aimless and living in a world that wasn't quite what he had grown accustomed to um it, such as military life okay so what's his uh what's his home life like here in rainsboro um i'm gonna say he uh he's got an ex-wife who uh, and a young kid um they're still really good friends. She just couldn't deal with all of the baggage of the PTSD, mm-hmm. and um, he even became physically abusive to a point. Um, we'll, we'll say that he became physically. Abu- we'll make him flawed. He he was physically abusive, um, and then he scared himself. Maybe started turning alcoholic. Ended up in holiday uh, in in Ireland to get away. And so he feels horrible. He's he's he is personally haunted by his actions and trying to make it up. He wants to get back with her, but she just um, it, it she sees him as unreliable because now he's always off doing something. So she thinks he's still an alcoholic. Sure, but he knows he's off saving the world, but he can't or or saving the day. Uh, but he can't tell his wife and he can't tell his kid, and so he has to live constantly being the guy who lets his wife and kid down even so, though he's doing the things that keep them safe sure so he's channeling the powers of the wild hunt and the hunt determines who the prey is does that mean that he can only use his powers while he is on the hunt um i would say no he can choose his target but he has a predisposition to stay on the target it's hard for him he has to really try if he's going to switch targets until the one is brought down. Sure. Even if it's just like tag, even if he just, you know, has to tackle them and make sure they're down to move on or bound to do the neck to go to the next target. And it's it's not um, not a requirement, but more of a, an impulse or a compulsion. Sure. Yeah, I think there's a hindrance for that, some sort of obsession hindrance that you can even take in, uh, in the superhero version of Savage Worlds. Sure. So it's it's not crippling, it's but it is hindering. Right, right. I mean, if he had to choose between the guy he was chasing after and the guy who's about to push the button that will end the world, he could make the choice, but he'd still want to go after the first guy. Sure. So Tim, you had a question. I did. How many how many years has he uh, wrestled that demon? Uh, so how long has he had the power? We'll say six years. He's done it for six years. Okay. What what drives him to? Like fight crime because he was a soldier. He has PTSD. Is it just the the compulsion of the of the faith? I'll say he's he's. I think he's he's dealt. He's dealt with the PTSD. His wife doesn't think he that he has. He's dealt with the alcoholism, and it's all been because he was able to find that focus in his life through giving these abilities. It was as if he was he was given these these things for a reason. It gave him purpose and mission and clarity. 
And so it cleared up all the confusion about his daily life. He knew that he couldn't let people know about this, but and so that gave him a, a reason to to assimilate in back into society. But at the same time, it also gave him a, a, a focus and a clarity on life as to purpose and meaning. Talk to me about his spectral hound. Um, it's a convenient transportation mount. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, does he does he have a a uh, owner dog relationship with him, or is he just the the you know friendly transportation? Uh, I I you know what I think that they have a respectful relationship now that is built on years of the hound fighting him and being pushed into domination because he was the one in control. Okay. Um, I'm not sure the hound likes him. I'm not sure the hound likes being pulled from its fairy home. I'm not sure the the I think probably the hound resents him um, because it used to it used to do what it wanted except for one day a year, and now it's always on Earth, always doing what this oh, fucking Jason Statham tells him to do. Right, but who wants to do that? No one. Right. Well, who wants to be between Jason Statham's legs all the time? <laughs> Other than Paul. Other than Paul. Well, Paul's mom. Right, and that's actually what I envisioned the hound's name being, Paul's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Winner! (laughs) This is my least favorite concept. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions about the Huntsman guys? Yeah, when the uh, basically when he calls the power down, does he physically change at all? Is like any obscuring? Does he get any? like any weapons from it, like a you know a fairy bow appear in his hand or something. Antlers, perhaps. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll give him the whole uh, Green Man type of armor deal. He becomes horrifically menacing, unearthly, um, with the re- and replete with weaponry. Um, he basically pulls on the uh, the guise of a huntsman. Yes, one in above him. Pulls okay. on the mantle of the huntsman that he conquered. Yes. Furs and and uh, and horns and armor plates and blue spiral tattoos and whatever. All right. So number five, Mikey. Man, this is hard. I got two concepts. I got two. Uh, one is uh, easier to play, and the other is vicious and kind of awesome. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you need to? I guess it boils down to boy or girl. Boy is the dark, darker, grittier one, and girl is the depressing, not as gritty, but also kind of comically gritty one. Right. Right. Suggestions. I, I want to hear about the depressing girl. All right. Of course you do, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind I of wouldn't have expected to say anything less. <laughs> so let's go with the guy then. The guy is <laughs> a carpenter. Uh, uh, sorry, a, a not even a carpenter. He's like a day laborer who works on a uh, housing crew. Um, he's one step above unskilled labor. Um, so he makes you know ten dollars an hour working on a housing crew. You know, for a, an unlicensed construction guy, usually work in demolition or packing shingles because he doesn't know how to frame a, a wall. Um, you know, he can do 
drywall because or he can put the drywall up but mostly he's a, a step and fetch it and carry guy and a hold this guy and a, and a tote the lumber cut the lumber guy right um and uh he uh doing can uh doing some uh demolition on a house they had to tear out um some uh plaster in an old house and the floor in an old house that they were renovating um, they all went off for lunch. They told him to stay and, and stay with the tools and to keep working and they'd be back with lunch because he's the low end on the – he got the shit into the stick. Right. And as he's tearing up the floor, he came across this length of rope because the house was owned by this Old West judge um, who was known as the hangman judge. And he uh, used the same rope on all of his hangings, and it got soaked in the blood of all of these guys. And and now the 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 rope is possessed by the spirit of the judge, and it thirsts for justice. It wants it seeks justice, and the rope is is a is not a normal rope. It's supernatural, um, and his name is Gallows. Um, so he's a vengeful, vengeful spirit noose wielding vigilante. So he wields the noose. Yes. Tell me how he carries it around with him. Um, it's it's like he carries it almost like a lariat. Uh, it's always in his hand. It's dri- but the 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 rope um, is highly elastic. It can stretch. It can move of its own accord. Um, he's almost a tool of the rope. Is. Is it a long length of rope or is it just the noose? Oh, it's it's a it's a fairly long length of rope. It's about twenty five feet normally. Okay, but um, it can change its length. It's been he's seen it get shorter. He's seen it get much longer. It's incredibly strong. Um, and when it's on somebody, much like Wonder Woman's lariat, they have to tell the truth. They cannot tell a lie. It's almost like they have to confess. Yeah, well, no, they ha- they have to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. They can't. They they cannot lie about it. So if they're innocent, the rope has no power over them anymore. So once they, you know, once it's not it's not interested in them anymore. Okay. Unless you know, but rarely are people innocent of everything. Sure. Does the rope always feels like any crime is a uh, offense punishable by death, or does it distinguish between levels of crime? Um, no, it distinguishes between levels of crime. Um, but it it you know it's a it's a hungry blood hungry bloodthirsty rope it's it's not uh it's not a kind rope does, it's a severe rope sure does it guide him to criminals or is it just if there's a criminal present yeah the rope does its thing it guide well, I guess he feels you know I haven't thought of this uh, I I hadn't thought this far I just thought of a, a dark evil not evil but a dark gritty guy. Yeah. Who uh, has this rope that forces him to hunt people down who are accused of crimes? Mm-hmm. Um, it pushes him to do the to the legwork and the research, and it nudges him because the judge was not a stupid man. Um, he was just a, a extremely severe, extremely black and white. You know, life is in black and white kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Right and wrong are black and white issues. And, um, it, you know, except for justice, justice has, has shades of gray, and they usually are the gray of a corpse swinging on a gallows. What's your guy's name? Gallows. I mean, I, no, no, I mean, what's oh. his, like, his human name? I hadn't thought of names of any of these people, but. Okay. Um, well, uh, and. and uh, so okay, let me back up. He's a day laborer. Sure. What's he supporting at home? Does he have? Um, is he is he homeless as well? Or 
No, he's got a he's got an old lady, a woman he refuses to marry, and three kids. And so, how has this change, you know, to being gallows affected his home life? She thinks he's out all the time, hanging with his friends at titty bars, <laughs> and uh, it's really not that big a change. It's just that uh, she thinks he's out hanging at titty bars, and he's not. So, really, there's more money coming in at home. So now I think maybe she thinks he's dealing drugs. Okay. Not that she cares. Where's the money coming from? Uh, he's just not spending it at titty bars. Gotcha. He's out, you know, fighting crime. Gotcha. Okay. Guys, any questions about the gallows? Yeah. Uh, so when you say the rope kind of leads him, I mean, yeah. is he still him, or is he the the you know the 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 judge when he's you know when he's holding the rope? I think that he's under the influence of the judge. He's still him, but he's being slowly – I don't want to say corrupted, but I guess his 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 persona is being corrupted. It's being tainted and um, assimilated over time by the judge. The longer he works with the rope, the more like the judge he is. He's already started smoking cigars and stopped uh, drinking anything but uh, – uh, single malt whiskey and <laughs> he's uh he's that guy he's um he uh gave up all the other all the other recreational drugs he did he's he's being affected quite a bit by the judge okay he hasn't yet got to the point where he's proposed marriage to his wife to make his kids not bastards yet to his old lady sorry not his wife she once told him she wanted, you know, she once hinted it would be nice if we had the last name and he said, "Well, go to the courthouse and find how much a name change costs." <laughs> he's a sweetheart. <laughs> he was a sweetheart. He, now he's becoming severe in a different way. Right? He was a sweetheart. He, now he's a, a super he, asshole. He referred to himself <laughs> as uncompromising <laughs> in his principles. How's that? Mikey, anything else on Gallows? No, just the more I talk about him, the less I want to play him. <laughs> Which okay. is probably, it's going to end up being, he's going to be, it's going to be Dr. Wange and the Gallows is what it's going to be. We're going to be a buddy team. So, uh, reviewing the five characters that we have, we have uh, Rune, the guy with tattoos and able to tap them to access uh, mysterious powers. We've got uh, a guy that we're going to call Legion for the moment, but we might wind up calling him Envoy or Outrider. And uh, this guy is half man, half ghost, and he summons up uh, ghosts to uh, adopt the skills that that uh, ghost carries. We also have Ghost Fox. Uh, which Mikey has agreed to voice as Rosie Perez. Uh, I did not. <laughs> um, she is a, she she uh, is carries with her the ghost of her great something grandfather, and who uh, she has Zorro like abilities with her whip, uh, and only she can see her grandfather's ghost. Then we have the Huntsman, who uh, channels the uh, Wild Hunt. He's had this ability for six years, and we have uh, the most recent character provided to us, Gallows, the day laborer with a with a rope that has the thirst for justice. So we'll go around the table. Wayne, tell me what you think. I am a sucker for the wild hunt. I really like the idea of the huntsman. I, uh, you want I like a the dog named Paul's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Even before that, that's just the icing on the cake. Uh, basically, most of what I uh, 
most of what I know of the Wild Hunt originally came from Dresden, and then a little looking it up after that to see the original legends. And it's something that I think is fascinating, and the idea of him taking on the mantle of the person he beat, you know, having that ghostly form go over him and riding a ghostly dog, that just sounds cool to me. So that's your, that's your that's your pick, Wayne. That's my pick. All right, Timmy, tell me what you got. Well, I had I had him whittled down to two, but then Mikey said he didn't like Gallus. So. <laughs> <sighs> uh, my, my vote for was was for the Huntsman as well. Um, I like the uh, the Wild Hunt idea, and when he said Jason Statham was basically playing him in the movie, I was in. Polly, what you think? You guys are killing me because the Huntsman was actually my least favorite of the five. Uh, but even even before Paul's mom, the dog, um, I you know mine was actually between Gallows and Legion. Maybe Legion is a little too similar to some of the characters we already have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we've got because I think I believe Tim's character is kind of the reverse. He's a ghost that hitchhikes different human beings rather than a human you know who gets possessed by different ghosts. So uh, you know, it's funny. I, I guess I would lean more towards Gallows than. Very good. So, uh, Mikey, what you think of all that? Um, you know, I used to like the Ghost Fox. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably in a Knights of Rainsboro game, I would push for the Ghost Fox. Mm-hmm. But if it's going to be a darker, spookier one-shot, I would prefer to be a more intense character. And I'm leaning towards uh, Legion or the Huntsman. Um, I didn't really care for the idea of Huntsman until you made me talk about him, and the more I talked about him, the more I'm, <laughs> I dig. And I've got a name. Uh, I've got a name for the dog. It's Mempol, uh, which means Paul's mom in Irish Gaelic. Nice. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so my vote's for Legion. <laughs> Legion was actually my runner-up after Huntsman. Um, I really like Huntsman, but I like Legion as well. I like the idea of Legion, but the more I think about him, well, not the more I think about him. Um, I had thought of that idea before I listened to your to the first podcast, and it seems to me that Legion is kind of an inverse hitchhiker right. and kind of like the Walker mm-hmm. that Wayne pitched. So I think that the hitchhiker. So uh, the 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 reason I the only reason I don't want to do Legion is because we already have. A uh, ghost guy that possesses people for a couple of days at a time. Right. Um, although he's got a different power set, and it's an interesting, it's a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I like the Huntsman. Very good. I'm for, I'm for the Huntsman. I have to tell you that that my favorite was the first one you pitched, which was uh, Rune. Rune. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. All, all I have written down for Rune is Vigilante who gains powers from mystic runes inscribed on his skin. And I, I just like that randomization piece. So, But that's cool. The Huntsman's cool. I like the Huntsman. So, excellent. Well, we have Mikey's character. Okay, so for our remaining time tonight, I want to talk a little bit. You know, we, we kind of had the setting work already done in that we're setting this game in uh, between the end of Season 1 of Knights of Rainsboro and the end of Season 2 of Knights of Rainsboro. Um, 
so we know we know where you know the action is going to take place. It's going to take place in Rainsboro. But uh, what I want to hear from you guys, and we'll go around the table. Um, I want to hear what you want to see in your horror game. You know, the the, the things that that you want to play with, uh, the things that the, the the kind of things that you want to occur in the game uh, that you think would be fun. So I'm going to start with Wayne. Actually, before we get into that, can I ask a quick question? Fine. <laughs> uh, because we have previously established the time of year, have we not? Yes. In game. Yes. Do you recall what it is? It's March, April. Okay, so so we we couldn't necessarily have a a Halloween day set Correct. game here. Correct. Okay. Okay. So in that case, uh, it's uh, All Hallows Eve. It's Samhain when uh, he has <laughs> 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 when he has to fight the Huntsman. It's not St. Quentin's Day. Right. No, it's it's, it's not. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. If you wanted to go somewhere on that line, though, you could easily have a holiday in that city that's based around some event that happened in the past that's similar to Halloween. But yeah, it could be some kind of uh, Indian spirit festival or something. Wayne, tell me what you'd like to see in the game. Tell me, tell me what uh, what, what what kind of things you'd like to see in a horror RPG. Well, something evil, obviously. Um. I would assume, since we're going to be supernatural characters, that we're going to be fighting the supernatural. Well, it could be fun to, you know, subvert that expectation and fight, like, cyborgs or something like that. I do think I would want to see supernatural bad guys. Anything else that you'd like to see? Nothing's really coming to mind. I mean, I'm pretty open. I I like the characters. I'm just looking forward to their interactions. What they do is just what they do. Timmy, tell me what you think. Um... Well, I always like having in uh, in my horror kind of an innocent person in danger. Um, I think that's a, a pretty cool element. Um, I, I kind of said before that my flavor of horror is, is definitely the Supernatural mm-hmm. series. So I would like a little bit of pluck, a little bit of ability to have a, you know, a humor aspect. I don't want it to be completely grimdark the whole time. Sure. Other than that, I haven't played enough horror games to know exactly what I want, but I, I think if, if there's those two aspects, I'll be happy. Okay. Polly? Uh, well, I do have a couple of – well, it's a couple of notes, I guess, um, in that I, I agree with Wayne as far as a supernatural entity or something, and you know maybe I'm going to get crucified for this, but I, I was kind of hoping we could lean away from a Cthulhu aspect. For this game, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not that I don't enjoy that, but you know, in in our talks about Supernatural, the TV series, and you know, um, I actually recently went to a, a Halloween store, and I'm just walking around, just getting tons of ideas and you know things I would love to see in a game, and I, I just I don't know, I, I lean more towards either some type of slasher aspect and when i say slasher i mean things like hack slash which fits into the mode of both you know you've got the 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 dark type characters as well as you you know it's it's got the humor like a supernatural tv show Mm -hmm. um i i i I like that kind of concept if you could throw in some evil clowns i'd be okay with that too (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm a fan of evil clowns i'll tell you right now i I think evil clowns are kind of cool. Mikey? <sighs> Look, I don't see – I don't honestly see myself in a game without some laughter going on, so I don't think Paul has anything to worry about from that. I agree with him on the I don't 
want the Cthulhu thing. That doesn't mean I don't want it supernatural going on, but I think making it, you know, the great old ones, you know, it's kind of Hellboy's got that corner. Sure. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to do it better than Hellboy did. Um, besides, we're a bunch of smart asses, and so uh, I think unspeakable horrors that will drive us insane are just going to end up in a you know Monty Python quote off or whatever. Um, so to that end, what I would like to see uh, is some supernatural horror shocks, twists, turns. Um, I want to see the stakes raised. Um, somebody, Tim, you said you wanted to see innocence um, at stake. Was that you? Yeah. Yeah. I want to see. Yeah, that raises the stakes. Um, I know that Savage Worlds isn't designed for the threat of imminent death, that death takes a while and it's kind of hard. All right. <laughs> it's hard to kill somebody in Savage Worlds, but I that nothing raises the stakes like somebody dying. Right. Yeah, that actually um, is a good point, Mikey. Um, I was going to say, or, or, or I guess a question for the group, as far as the mechanics, are, are we talking about potential for death, or are we talking about um, the insanity a- aspect of a uh, Is it going to be actual horror if we're just worried about going insane, or is it going to be actual horror if we worry about our character dying? Because insane, the game's not over for us, we're still role-playing. To an extent, but our character dying, well, now we can't play anymore, and I think that raises I'm the stakes in. for us. I'm in, too. Yeah, regardless, <laughs> well, I'm in. I'm, I'm just, you know, when I looked at the horror companion, because I, I designed a lot of my characters using the Savage Worlds horror companion, you know, it, it had that insanity, and I've never played a game that actually, well, I guess I did, I played the Call of Cthulhu, or Trail of Cthulhu, but I mean, I, I, it's more about what is the, the group interested in, but I can go either way. I, I like the concept that the characters could die. It's 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 a one-off, you know. I'll just respawn. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you're, you know, banished. Unless you're. Oh yeah, if Aaron decides to be a dick, sure, we're cool. Oh, wait, he dick? You mean everybody else can die, just not you, because you're a ghost who possesses people? That's essentially the rule. Yes. My bad. So we had established in uh, when we were setting up the, the Rainsboro setting, uh, we had established some horror aspects um, to the game. Uh, you know, most notable, I would say, are, are the city under the city concept, um, as well as the vampire prince of the city. Well, uh, there's also the there's also the evil cultic like part of the church. Right. Area too. Yeah. And I, believe, I had uh, forgotten about all of that except for City Under the City, which I never really liked. Yeah, well, the City Under the City, John did name it, Thistledown, did name it the Undercity in his Ghost of Rainsboro last year, or mm-hmm. two years ago. So are those elements that you're interested in in the game, or are they not? I, I, I like Evil Cultus. <laughs> yeah, I'm any okay of them sound that. good. Are you referring to the Molochs as, uh, as being a potential character in or? Or, or something else under the city. Yeah, I'm, 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 I think that setting lends itself to a to a horror aspect. I, if 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 I had a choice, Aaron, I would stray away from the Dogger Island mystery. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, everything else has been mentioned. I, I'm okay with. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of at some point waves of weak things to fight. Like a, an army of skeletons, or 
you know, a ton of Molochs or something like that, too. That's something Mooks. we haven't really done in... Yeah, we haven't done Mooks, really, in Rainsboro yet. We were talking a second ago about Tone. You know, um, you know, on the Rainsboro setting, generally, you know, all the attacks that the player characters make are not killing attacks. They are, you know, attacks to, you know, stun, wound, etc. But never a killing attack unless it's declared. What do we feel about this setting? Are, are these, you know, killing attacks or, you know, what are we doing? Um, I, I specifically designed my character to not do that mm-hmm. unless it's, unless it's a last resort thing. It's part of the code of honor he has. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take myself out of that, of that conversation because I'm not going to act like that regardless of what the general consensus is. Sure. Yeah. My character doesn't kill humans. Now, if it's something else, if it's a demon, a zombie, or something, that's a whole other story. That's not human. Right. So, Paul, what about uh, your character? Johnny Boondocks. Thank um, you. I, I'd say he, you know, he, he'd kill if it was necessary, especially if it was an, a non-human entity or, or something of that aspect. I think you know, if it was a human, he'd probably lean more towards – I mean he is still a police officer, so I think he would lean more towards the side of the law. Mm-hmm. But you know that being said, you know even a police officer, you know in a, in a no win situation, does have to you know shoot a perp or something. Sure. And uh, Mikey, I think I I think I know the answer to your character. I mean, he'd rather not, but because uh, he's killed before. But sure. he's you know, he, you know the the objective is the objective, and completion of your goal is the completion of your goal. And if it requires that someone has to die or something has to die. If that's what actually solves the problem, then okay. Is the hunt satisfied with a capture, not a kill? Um, the hunt is satisfied when he gets his target. What he does, the hunt side of him, what he does with it after that, I mean, of course they'd rather him kill him. That's that's the deal. Um, but he's fought against that since day one. Okay. All right. Anything else for the setting, guys? Anything else that you guys want to see in the game? You know, I know we're talking about you know, I- injecting humor. And I think that comes with us. Sure. I mean, let, let's be honest. Knights of Rainsboro wasn't designed to be as funny as it ended up being. Um, Most of that has to do with you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, I, I do hope we can emphasize horror, you know, sure. in, in, in more than super heroics, really. I think all our characters are designed in that way anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Ghosts of Rainsboro is an Ideology of Madness production. To listen to more adventures in this setting, go to ideologyofmadness.com or rainsboro.com. Music provided by Knox Arcana. To listen to more, go to knoxarcana.com. Rest well, and always, always stay in the light.